0: Woohoo! Welcome to the Summer All Play podcast. We're so happy to be with you today. We're
1: mixing it up a little bit. It's workout Wednesday, and we're recording at 6.30 in the morning before we get ready to run.
0: And perhaps most importantly, we have our Breathe Right nose strips on that we're getting ready for the workout. So we are going to be fully aerated through the sinuses right now. Maybe
1: we'll talk a little bit slower. Well, you wear your Breathe Right strip, I feel like, 20 hours a day. I <laughs> never wear a Breathe Right strip, so this is new for me. So my nasal passages are going to be all aerated and ready to roll for this podcast. We're going to be so
0: oxygenated. It's going to be Pretty stunning.
1: Actually, it's funny though because I feel like we get just amazing energy from recording yeah. this podcast. Like I feel like we're just feeling the listener lo- listeners' love and intellect just <laughs> like reflecting back. Yeah, and I feel like we need to record podcasts on rest days. I think we'd have some stronger race performances if we did that. Well, I think
0: it goes both ways. We get energy from the podcast, but we also need energy to start it, which is why we bagged last night's recording. Yeah, so
1: we decided to record last night. We we gave it a try last yeah. night around like six six thirty p.m. and I had been coding. I had written so many lines of code yesterday and all. All of a sudden we got to the podcast and we tried to record 10 seconds and I looked at you just like a, a deer in headlights, like David, I don't know if I can do this. This is a totally different brain space.
0: I don't really understand code, but my understanding of what Megan's brain code was like at that time was zero, 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 zero. We got 30 <laughs> seconds in. She's just like, Nope. I don't Does know. I don't compute. know how to, I don't know how to put a one in there. Yeah. <laughs> well, you had a busy life, which also gets to the point that you finished your big test last I'm week. I'm
1: done. It feels so good. And uh yeah, there last week we talked about the fact that like if these tests didn't go well, yeah. you may be hearing some advertisements on the podcast, <laughs> but we got no advertisements for you today. As of now. As yet. of now, I think it went well. I don't have grades back, but um yeah, I think it was good.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think you're on the path to uh being done this program eventually, rather than having it take like the next thirty years of your life like most PhDs. Eventually actually it's
1: a great description. I feel like I started giving confidence intervals surrounding the time in which the yeah. PhD program may be done, which I think is pretty typical of most PhD programs. Actually, it's funny. I was telling you the other day, I think PhD programs are so hard because of the uncertainty yeah. involved. Like I was going into this like, and ah, nah, I'll be good. I got this. I did med school. What are we talking about? Like, yeah. this will be easy. And there's a lot of uncertainty involved. In That's this.
0: super interesting. I wonder if that uncertainty is a good metaphor for a lot of things. Like, you know, you think about it, your med school program even or undergrad or any academic program, most of them, it's the set time that you're on. And almost everyone I've ever coached that does PhD programs talks about how they are mental mind fucks.
1: It totally. And I was like, I was like, nah, I'm tough. Yeah, i got yeah, this. Yeah. It's not gonna mess me up. And it's hard. It's yeah. so hard. I think what I loved about medicine was that it was such a linear path. Yeah. But of course I was like, it's time to step off that linear <laughs> path. It's time to take some swerves. And my swerves are leading me to uncertainty. And I guess it's I guess it's good for life to get used to this yeah. because there's just more uncertainty ahead.
0: You took a big dive into the uncertain end of the pool. Um but, but I think I, it's yeah, a, good, a metaphor for everything, though. Like when you think about running, running is this ultimate uncertain environment and, and that we're all putting ourselves out there, which I think can be really disconcerting, especially for people with really big goals, but you don't know how those goals are actually going to to unfold, which is almost like a lot of people DNFing um, PhD programs. And a lot of the time it comes down to, I just can't take this anymore. Well,
1: I feel like with uncertainty, we we've been talking about the one yeah. no mantra so much on this podcast. And I feel like that is like the mantra that you need for PhD programs. Yeah, because, like one day, one day, one day, you know, just keep stacking those days Or even eventually... one email at a time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. One, one pipette pipet pipet at, yeah, yeah. at a time. Yeah, yeah. One failure at a time, which just yeah. leads to another failure, which leads to another failure, which is another failure. Yeah, for sure. No, I'm I'm but I think what I've really thought about in this like test taking process is I used to get so nervous yeah. for tests. Like I wouldn't sleep for days. Like it just was kind of like a life disaster. And I would try to do these big workouts on mm-hmm. test days because I was like, oh, like I'm going to, this is the brain energy that I need to show up and perform <laughs> well on test days. But I think it actually just made me tired. Yeah. So for the first time in my life, I like tapered my brain for a test and I think it went well.
0: That's so interesting. So in your old test, would you, you would just wake up early and do hard workouts? I can't oh remember that. I
1: remember like step one, I woke up at 4.30 in the morning because I was like, if I, I mean, I was out the door, like running at 4.30 in the morning. And I was like, cause if I get in this run, I'm going to be in a much better yeah. brain state." But I think all it did was just make me tired. And so now I have this thing with like any athletes who are out there like yeah. taking big tests or doing presentations, like let's do an aerobic rebuild week. Let's <laughs> get the brain ready to rock and so roll. So you think we
0: should taper for some life things too? Yeah,
1: I do. Do you
0: think we should taper for first dates?
1: For first dates? Uh, yeah. But actually maybe tapering for fourth dates is
0: better. <laughs> oh, shoot. I feel like really
1: yeah. got really to work the timing on I that I don't one.
0: know. I'm past my dating prime. So I, I wonder if it's uh, accelerated. Earlier than the fourth date at this point. We'll Maybe some confidence
1: intervals. Maybe it was the third date at yeah, this point. I guess
0: it depends if you're using Tinder or Bumble. <laughs> um, yeah, so we've had a great week. Megan's done her, her tests. We did some to celebrate. We did this wonderful hike off trail in Boulder. And just as we're like a mile in or so, kind of in this this uh, desolate area, all of a sudden we hear gunshots right next to us.
1: Actually, what happened before this was I was leading and I was like, David, there are some really weird noises out here. And you looked at me like I had foreheads. You're like, oh, Megan, like stop thinking everything is like a crime scene. Yeah. I listen to way too many crime podcasts and I'm like, there's people out here to get us.
0: I actually don't understand. Why do women listen to so many crime podcasts? I was looking at the demographic. Because we're ever-
1: evolutionarily primed to think about it all <laughs> the time. It's kind of like men and sex. Like this is like women and crime. Scenes.
0: Oh my gosh. That's a really fascinating observation that we're going to just drop right there. Um, so yeah, of course I played it off and then 30 seconds later, it was like, sh- sounded like shotgun blast right next to I us. I mean,
1: right next to us. Like, I'm, I feel like, I mean, I am shocked we didn't hear like the whizzing of the bullets yeah, yeah. next to us. And yeah. we're right
0: in this like ravine slash gully, gulch or whatever you want to call it. And so we're just like, okay, well, we can't go backwards where the gunshots were. So we just kept going forwards. And it was, I think the perfect decompression uh, moment because we were, you know, all of a sudden we go from being like oh man a test oh we have these things to do oh we're not really present to we might die right this second and
1: it was like an Oregon trail like I feel like we were living like a virtual yeah. Oregon trail game because there were all these like bones scattered on the side of the trail <laughs> hence why the gunshots were relevant and I was like oh these animals died of dysentery and yeah. then we get to the end of the journey and we had to literally ford this river and you had to carry Addy Dog across this like raging river to get across and back to like our destination and I was like ah oh, we're just we're just crossing the Oregon Trail River <laughs> I
0: was pretty proud of him. I didn't lose that oxen which is perhaps my biggest accomplishment you did such
1: a good job i was like well, so david does naked chin-ups every day as like his main form of strength they have to I be naked. Like, be- i was like if there is one thing the naked chin-ups are preparing for you for it's fording a river carrying addy Bog, <laughs> and it was like such functional strength reminder well they
0: have to be naked because the clothes are just extra weight i can't afford to do any extra weight on my chin-ups but it
1: was so amazing because i feel like after this test like i don't know i'm pretty good at carrying like big stress yeah. buckets around and not even like allowing myself to process it. And I feel like after I have these events where like the stress bucket should empty, I just fill it with the most mundane yeah. shit in the world. <laughs> like I'm like adding in like emails and like things I could have said that could have upset someone or like all these stupid things into the stress bucket instead of emptying it out and almost getting shot in the woods. But it's like <laughs> Such a reminder to just like empty the bucket out. It's like, no, I need to like empty this bucket. I need to like take it to the ocean and just start pouring
0: it out. I love what you've always said that about stress buckets. And it's so fascinating to me because I think it's so true that we just have a bucket that we're going to fill up almost no matter what. And the point isn't necessarily what we're putting in. The point is the bucket. Like, yeah, yeah, what exactly. can we do with that bucket? And How I, can we small, it was like shrink it or at least change it?
1: And my brain just naturally wants to go like drip, drip, drip. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be like that faucet that just drips from oh like God. 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. and also sounds like a crime scene. Well, um, they, call, they
0: call it like water torture, I believe. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: No, that is like what I do to my stress bucket. And that's bad. <laughs> well, it's fascinating, actually, because we've been talking about on this podcast. About how I got a whoop. And the biggest thing that I've learned from my whoop is that I am, I mean, my whoop is telling me I'm a piece of shit at all times, <laughs> but it's exactly what I need to hear because it's like I need to manage my stress a little better. The whoop
0: is like those gunshots. It's like you are a piece of shit.
1: What are you doing with your life? Well, it's funny because I think I do have a high capacity for stress. And I think like, I never even thought about how much it was impacting my body until I started seeing the output metrics. Well, you have
0: a high emotional capacity for stress, but I think your physiology is playing by the same game that everyone else is. That's
1: true. I'm just not processing (laughs) it. So what
0: what is your whoop telling you like more specifically? Because I think, you know, we're not sponsored or anything. It's just I've been fascinated to see that you, you wake up in the morning and be like, still a piece of shit. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's bad. Well, I get it. It's funny because I think a, a lot of my life, like recently, the yeah. last like five years has become like accepting like, Megan, like a B plus is good. Yeah, like, You don't always need to get A's, but like with whoop, it's really good practice. Cause I'm like, Megan, a C is good. <laughs> yeah. You are okay. You got this. But actually, I mean, it's been telling me a lot of things. One that I'm probably stressing too much. The other is that my sleep efficiency is pretty poor, which I kind of knew, but it was, it's interesting. I mean, last night I got a Notification at 6 45 p.m. to go to bed at 7 15 and to stay in bed to 7 p.m. So to be in bed to, for 12 hours to get only eight hours of sleep, <laughs> which tells you how poor my sleep efficiency is.
0: Yeah, your sleep economy is not very good. We're talking about improving running economy. We should be talking about, about- how to snooze economy. I mean,
1: that's like that's bad. That's yeah, bad yeah. news, Bears. Does yeah. that mean
0: that you're like moving around a lot? Or are you actively awake in this time?
1: I'm actively awake Interesting. during this time. Actually, yeah. I was
0: telling you that last night, which was a good night of sleep, right? You yeah. were you were kind of singing. You were singing you were doing kind of like some jazz scatting in the middle of the night in your sleep and i'm like that's probably not gonna look good on the whoop oh it did not look
1: good on the whoop so i've been learning to i mean it's been super helpful but i think i've also been learning to just like you know i'm gonna have to like empty the stress bucket and in whatever let's, try way to I can. Shrink,
0: let's try to shrink our buckets however we can even if it takes some freaking shotgun blasts yeah, in the woods throw
1: it out to the ocean
0: um so we're gonna do a couple of recommendations too because we always get emails about that we wanted to say Uh, watch the movie Paddington 2 because last week... Actually,
1: side note, watch the movie movie Paddington 2 and then go back and watch Paddington 1 all in the same night because that's what we did and it was awesome. It
0: was perfect for our stress bucket. So last week on Twitter, I saw that Paddington 2 replaced Citizen Kane as the best reviewed movie of all time on Rotten Tomatoes. And the tweets back and forth were so good with people being like, how could you ever say this? Citizen Kane is the masterpiece of human creation. And then people are like, you must never have seen Paddington 2, which is about an animated bear, if you have not uh, heard of that before. An
1: animated bear who is just, like, the kindest, like, most resilient, loving bear of all time. Yeah. So the bear, Paddington the bear has Aunt Lucy, which is, like, his guardian in life. And Aunt Lucy's mo- motto is, if we are kind and polite, the world will be right. And they, like, bring that up, like, repeatedly throughout yeah. the movie. But then Paddington faces a whole bunch of, like, crises and situations and all kinds of, like, like worldly trauma is being thrown at him. And he just brings this energy throughout. And it's like so amazing while finding the best in others. Like, yeah. I feel like he just relentlessly believes in people who have like royally even screwed him over. It's I feel amazing. like this
0: is a cultural shift that's happening. So you look at Paddington with the, the bear, and then you'll get Ted Lasso, you know, the coach that has this kind of same perspective, I feel like we're kind of past irony as being the goal or past like this detachment as being the goal. I feel like
1: we're in like the post-postmodern, if that (laughs) makes sense, like postmodern squared.
0: Popo pomo (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I feel like, yeah. And and the reason that we really resonate with Paddings too, at least for me, is that what this bear does is sees the best in people, even after He's been shown the worst in people, and that's the place I sometimes show up. Because I think I'm. Well, actually, Paddington reminds me a lot of
1: you. <laughs> we were watching the movie, and I was like, Paddington is David. Holy cow! I, also, I was waiting for Paddington to come out with a nose strip yeah. and some really good ads. Oh my
0: god! With a nose strip, I could stick my snoot in some marmalade. Oh my god! Really get in there. Um, but what I'm really, I think I'm really good at seeing the best in people. But sometimes, once I see the worst. I remember that almost like an elephant. You know, like I have too long of a memory. And I need to be more like that bear and forgetting it and being like, okay, no, the best in people always forgive constantly. And like, so that's what I'm taking away from Paddington. Okay,
1: I love that. I feel like uh that might describe me a little more. I think you were really good at doing that, David. <laughs>
0: well, thank you so much. But I think
1: also too. So I this weekend, all I could think about was big Paddington energy. <laughs> We've talked about things on here like big cloud energy, big mountain energy. And talk about something I want to embody big Paddington energy.
0: Yeah. I- Also, my Strava title yesterday was Mortal Kombat, Paddington Bear v. Ted Lasso. Who'd
1: you take in that?
0: I don't know. I think they would come to an agreement that their fatality finishing move would be friendship. Oh my gosh, that is so true. <laughs> uh, so you have a book recommendation, right? I do, we got, actually, We've gotten questions about so that. So I
1: am back reading books. I love reading books. I feel like it just like allows me to escape into this like totally different world, especially fiction. So this is a fiction recommendation. We actually, I feel like book recommendations to me are like the ultimate source of love. Yeah. I don't know. Like I just love books so much that when someone recommends me a book, I'm like, I must read this. This <laughs> is the ultimate sign of friendship. But we got this book recommendation from a supporter in Boulder, who is just awesome.
0: Yeah. So the, the supporter is named Bob. I don't know if, can I say his last name? I think I can. Bob McCready. He's the best. Um, so what the way we came in touch with him is that there was a runner Magazine article I'd written way back in the day. It was on some sort of semi-contentious human rights issue, whether it was transgender athlete human rights or something like that. And Bob came in and responded with the most loving uh, replies to all the trolls and, and hateful comments. And in the a lot of people ended up commenting back on him. And eventually the consensus became Bob McCready, 2020. We need to, 2020 Bob is the best. And then I happened to just run into him on trails had, having never seen him before. And all I saw in the distance is this bright light shining that was lifting everyone up. And so when he gave us this book recommendations, like, Mash that book. it
1: right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. And his dog is amazing too. But anyway, so the book recommendation is The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. And this is actually my first introduction to Matt Haig yeah. as an author. And he is an incredible writer, just has this like way with words. He actually has a background with depression and anxiety and incorporates a lot of like psychology and mental health into his books and his characters. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so cool. But anyways, the Midnight Library is about this character, Nora, who's 35. She's struggling in life. And she finds herself in this magical library, which is kind of this place between life and death as a portal. And each book in that library is this narrative of like possible choices and directions she could have taken in her life. And I'm like, this is so cool. I think, I mean, it talks a lot about like regrets in this in this process but I'm also fascinated about the idea of library as a portal as a portal because like as a kid like a library for me was a total safe space Yeah, and I think
0: it probably was a portal because a lot of times that would let you experience things that you might not have been able to experience in your own life
1: it's so true also I love the smell of libraries and <laughs> so I feel like I talk about smells a lot here on the podcast but I love the smell of like babies and libraries and Home Depot and that to me like I feel like that's really weird I feel like
0: being a dad is kind of your your destiny. <laughs> that is my you, destiny. You have big dad energy. Have you energy. ever
1: opened up like a library book and you're like, oh my gosh, this smells so good? Like I would smell every library book. How weird is that?
0: Oh, this one was brought into the toilet. I was
1: gonna say, well, one in ten have like a really unfortunate. Yeah, but, yeah, like yeah. It wouldn't stop me. I was just like so curious. I was like, I must smell. With our breathe
0: right so we need to be careful. But
1: I think for me, it's this book is so fascinating because it makes me think a lot about like the decisions that we make mm-hmm. in life and the regrets that we hold in those decisions and how like every. I mean, we're moving through life and like everything is a, is a decision and not. To get bogged down in that because What's it's just hard. gonna keep happening, yeah. I mean, I,
0: you know, you've talked to me a lot about how you have a lot of dreams about field hockey, yeah. Say. Oh my gosh,
1: so many dreams about field hockey. you yeah. know, which
0: I imagine is grounded in a little bit in regret, in regret. About how yeah. your career unfolded. Because for those who don't know, I mean, Megan would never say it. she was one of the top recruits in the country. I went back and read all the articles about her high school and it was wild. And then in college, you had a great freshman year, and then things kind of changed up a little bit, and it was a,
1: a downward trajectory, but like the even now, senior year, yeah. yeah. I mean,
0: your life, I think, is, has really been great since, but your brain is like latching on to small little regrets. In the subconscious and,
1: and playing those out in my dreams yeah, yeah. And
0: i do the same i mean i have dreams about football all the time and i was a shitty football player comparatively and so you know i imagine we're all doing that all the time and so what did the book teach you like i'd love to hear i haven't this is the first time i'm hearing it
1: yeah actually so i would love to read one of my favorite quotes from this book and it's a little bit longer so just bear with me i'll try to read it slow for, yeah for maybe listeners. i'll
0: interject something uh
1: the quote is it is easy to mourn the lives we aren't living easy to wish we developed other talents said yes to different others offers. Easy to wish we'd work harder, loved better, handled our finances, finances more astutely, been more popular, stayed in the band, gone to Australia, said yes to the coffee or done more bloody wow. yoga. <laughs> it takes no effort to miss the friends we didn't make and the work we didn't do, the people we didn't marry and the children we didn't have. It's not difficult to see yourself through the lens of other people and to wish you were all the different kaleidoscope versions of you that they, they wanted you to be. It is easy to regret and keep regretting ad infinitum until our life runs out. Wow. But it's not lives we regret not living that are the real problem. It is the regret itself. It's the regret that makes us shrivel and wither and feel like our own and other people's worst enemy. We can't tell if any of those versions would have been better or worse. Those lives are happening. It is true. But you are happening as well. And that is the happening we have to focus on. The continuing happening of life is what we have to focus on.
0: Wow. Isn't
1: that... That is such a mind-blowing... That was the first time that tried I did not read Actually, that quote. David told me he was like... I wanna, I wanna like save this for the podcast and like fully marinate in this yeah, as yeah. you read this to me on the podcast. I am
0: marinating like a juicy steak right now. So the continuous happening of life is what we have to focus on. It reminds me of um, those charts that you might see online of these trees of decisions that start at one point and then go out to a million different branches. And you know, what's so fascinating about that and the graphic that's kind of gone viral recently is that the end of one, of one of those branches is where we are now. But then if you start there, another tree of a million different opportunities begins. And so every day, every moment, every one and oh that you talk about is that new new tree opportunity. And it's, that's what that seems it's like. It's so itself.
1: beautiful. And I think sometimes when you have regret, it's really hard to see the new tree branches forming yeah. off, but it's like, no, they're always, like, you know, going through life, life is a series of tree branches, no matter how much you think you mess up or no matter how much regret you have. And I think that's like, it's so cool. Yeah,
0: I guess that applies in the long-term regrets. Like we might be talking about field hockey or football or God forbid, like something else that happened or, you know, if you think about even relationships. That Actually, it's
1: funny you say that because. And this happens very early yeah. in the book, so I'm not giving it away. But one of the characters' main regrets is divorce, Oh, wow. actually. And it's a big... I mean, that's like the first book that she goes to in this mysterious library. So it's an amazing point oh well, that and that's
0: even relevant for one of the things that we mentioned we might talk about today, which is it just came out that Bill and Mel- Melinda Gates are getting a divorce. Uh,
1: which was shocking to me.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's super shocking. And also just draws home that a lot of what we see, it's really tough to know what's actually happening behind the scenes. I mean, I saw uh, social media posts from both of them about... Can't wait for the next 25 years of laughter with this person. Um, and it gets back to, you know, what you see is not always what you get on social media because a lot of us are trying to apply our empathy to social media. It's like, how would I feel in this other person's shoes? Like we are doing about this divorce. Like both of us are like, oh, that would be so sad. Oh
1: no, I see that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine how awful is to go through. It. But maybe it's not,
0: you know, because we don't have full information to put ourselves in those shoes. But on social media, everyone is trying to do that, whether it's with a relationship or athletics or anything else, you know, because we don't see the full picture, we're practicing empathy without context
1: and talk about like I think I see in there I see sadness like I look at them and my empathy like yeah. radar goes off and I'm like oh my gosh I can't even imagine but I think where I see sadness a lot of people actually see courage yeah like you know this is the ultimate power couple yeah. out there in the world and like Melinda Gates has been an incredible advocate for women's equality and like you know women showing up as equals in relationships and business yeah. like over and over again and the amount of courage that it must have taken for the two of them to do that so knowing that, that it was like you know they've reached this point in business they've reached this point in their relationship and they know it's going to be like national news for days. And I mean, that's just really impressive. Well, a
0: new tree of opportunities is beginning. Life continues on. And some of the the athletes I respect the most on the team are ones that have had hard divorces, you know, and seeing the trauma of that situation sometimes and seeing what blooms after is the most beautiful thing I've ever gone to witness perhaps about human nature because it's a full reset on that tree. Like, and I mean, not to say that that isn't like a bad thing always, you know, like, but there can be so much beauty in things that we consider negative and consider like, I'm sure Nora in that book, it sounds like that these, these things that are maybe downsides or, or the worst things like once you view the whole picture and view this continuous tree can actually be where life happens and
1: it's, it's so true it's like these are where like you know those those beautiful trees that just sprout all these like buds in the springtime yeah. it's like that might be what you're heading towards but i think sometimes it takes a lot of time to see that yeah you know what i mean and it takes like you I mean it may be five years it may be two years like it, that's just so hard
0: i guess it's about finding the buds oh shoot <laughs> to, to bring it down to colorado's lax marijuana laws um, <laughs> So this is a little bit of a topic. I also, we just wanted to point out briefly, a reader sent us this amazing study. So listener H, and the study title was called Sexual intercourse before exercise has a detrimental effect on lower extremity muscle strength in men.
1: And this follows up from the last two podcasts in which we've talked a little bit about sex on here. And actually, we've gotten a lot of listeners reach out to us and be like, "Hey, thank you for this. Like, this is nor- helping me normalize like the conversation yeah. of talking about sex with my partner, with my family, with like well, friends, one, with other people." One yeah. athlete
0: was telling me that you know they're just starting the the dating process again, and that us talking about it has just let them be more comfortable talking about it with their matches. Like, which is so key because this is a key part of life as a whole, not just sex, but like anything that matters to you, you know? And so uh, the whole study is hilarious because it's not backed by anything else.
1: I feel like this is like an amazing look into like exercise physiology and just some, uh, some really funny study methodology. Of
0: course, the study was just on men, 15 men, because no study ever seems to be done on women for whatever reason. Um, and so the, the study inclusion criteria, were the absence of knee injury history and the absence of any medications or supplements that might enhance physical performance. Oh, wow.
1: I wonder, I really actually, I need to go through and look at their exact inclusion criteria for that because I just saw a headline in the Seattle Times that was like, the key to sexual arousal is dot, 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 beets and I was like beets holy crap so of course we, we bought some beets but <laughs> I, had we did. Some, I had some beets yesterday side note I took a shot of beets actually this is the first shot I've ever taken in my life I have never taken a yeah. shot before I took a shot of beet juice and I was coding I was just like furiously coding like 30 minutes later so I I believe it probably applies to sex too
0: <laughs> your binary code was so aroused oh it was so good lots of ones One, 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 <laughs> one, one, one. um and the 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 listener pointed out that was the funniest part of this is that they were instructed on a basic definition of sexual intercourse um they were told that sexual intercourse should last three to 20 minutes
1: that's very precise yes
0: participants were given a stopwatch to measure the duration of their sexual intercourse Talk about
1: pressure big time players better make big time plays that's also
0: big coach energy sitting there with a stopwatch on the sidelines um and then the funniest part of all intercourse had to be male active Therefore, only missionary position was allowed. Oh
1: shoot, no no creativity there. Well, it's so funny. I feel like there's all these different names, yeah, like yeah. in the in the world. I've seen I've seen names for sex positions like the pinball
0: wizard, the lazy man,
1: the golden arch. I'm like, where the heck are you getting these golden arch? Sounds, <laughs> yeah. I just I saw that in our outline. I was like, what is that? I that's, actually don't
0: even know what that is. That's from women's health mags. Forty six sex position. Uh, sex positions bucket list. Uh, check it out. It's very funny.
1: We also have some solo use ones on there too. Um,
0: so long story. <laughs> yeah, actually the best solo use one that I wasn't going to say, but it's very funny. is called the couch grind. I'll let people just imagine it, but oh, shoot. it's very funny. Um, so th- this study isn't backed by any other study. Basically the consensus is it has no, no effect. Um, but we wanted to point out that, you know, this kind of just draws home in general that a lot of these study designs, A little bit up in the air, and we can apply that a little bit to exercise physiology. And then there
1: needs to be a lot more studies done on this, like using like broader. I mean, like let's expand our you know participant audience beyond males. Let's expand it beyond sixteen participants. And like, where are like the large scale big data on this? Because I think like this is such an important topic. So researchers out there, like I feel like actually we probably have podcast listeners out there. Oh, we definitely who are doing this. Like, go to town. Like, we need more studies on this. Just make
0: sure you disinfect the stopwatches. Is all I'm saying. Um, So let's just get into topic one. What do you think?
1: Yeah, let's do it. So this this topic is on falling. We've actually so last and technical night, running. Yeah. And technical running actually last night as we were like talking about the podcast we got a question roll in 2 minutes before the yeah. podcast that perfectly applied to this. Um so we're answering uh two different podcast listeners questions. This one is from R. I love listening to your podcast and have a question to submit. I'm still pretty new at trail running and have learned a lot listening to you too. On my long trail run this weekend I tripped and completely face planted on some rocks twice. I'm totally fine, but skin both my knees and bruise my ego. So my question for you has two parts. One, what first aid would you recommend carrying on a long trail run? And two, and do you have any exercises or advice for improving agility to avoid tripping, especially on tired legs?
0: I love this question because I think it's one of the big barriers to trail running and being an athlete in general. That's so true. I feel like being an athlete in general, I mean, I'm just like falling all over the place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, think about your field hockey days. And that's one thing I actually framed with the listeners because the listener ha- had a background in soccer.
1: Actually, I'd like to think in my field hockey days, I caused more falling <laughs> than I did falling. There's like a nice little ratio going on there. I, really, would say I, I was not afraid to throw some elbows. You're not el-
0: afraid to throw some elbows, but they, also every picture I saw had you doing some like hip checks. You <laughs> yeah. were a little bit intense. I'm
1: a little feisty out there.
0: You were definitely feisty. I see it. I very much see it. Um, But you know, the idea being that it gets back to anything in life. How do you write good articles? You write bad articles. Um, How do you avoid falling? You fall a lot. You have to learn
1: to get good at it. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: that all of this stuff, the downside of it. That our brains like to latch on to is like the worst case scenario, but the worst case scenario of basically everything never comes.
1: Actually, I say the worst case scenario. So I've spent a lot of runs like hammering downhills being like, when am I going to sprain my ankle? When am I going to fall? And that to me, like actually thinking about it and anticipating it is the worst case scenario.
0: And that's when I have my issues. It's like, okay, don't twist your ankle. Don't twist your ankle. It's like crack. Fuck! Um, Which is the
1: exact noise you make. That's (laughs) like that's a very accurate sequence of events.
0: I go very anti Paddington Bear (laughs) when I twist my ankle, Um, and you know I think a lot of our success that we had in running happened when we were able to let go of those preconceived notions, and I think it tied back to being athletes in other sports. So um, I remember at the Aspen Backcountry Marathon a few years ago, I, I had fallen during the race, and I get to the finish line, and someone comes up to me and looks at me and is like what the fuck is wrong with your face? And so I go to the mirror and my nose was pointing like an inch to the left. Actually,
1: there are pictures of you finishing and it like, you could see it. Like you weren't even, I mean, it wasn't even close to your face and you could see it from like a half mile away.
0: (laughs) So there was a lot of blood, but I couldn't tell it was coming from my nose because it looked like it was coming from everywhere. And so I go, before Megan had finished, go into the bathroom and just put one finger on the bottom of my nose, one finger on the top and just...
1: (sighs) sounds like a chiropractic adjustment of the nose it was.
0: it was one of the most satisfying moments of my life it's
1: like popping a pimple but much <laughs> yeah. greater i wish i was there for that
0: well then every day for the next year i did i kept doing that just to, i probably didn't break under. the probably deviated actually you
1: should have left it because i feel like the breather strip would sit on it better if you oh, had that's the so true. yeah it would like anchor it almost
0: i actually read last night that dolphin penises have an s shape <laughs> <laughs> and that was kind of what my nose would have been like a dolphin fun penis.
1: fact of the day jeez
0: <laughs> it was a very fun fact maybe that could be a topic for another day of why I was looking that up. Um, And Megan has that experience, too. There was a time at...
1: (laughs) Well, I have that experience, too.
0: (laughs) With 14-inch dolphin penises. (laughs) No, at the Bar Mountain Trail Race, uh, one of our athletes, Mark Tatum, was taking video that day, and he was taking video of you. And just as he was taking video, you... Clap to the ground.
1: And it was like the best video I've ever had taken yeah. of me. I'm like, if there's a time to fall, it's right when you're on video. But no, it's true. I've done a ton of falling. And I feel like actually, I mean, usually it's not as bad as the moments that I play out in my head yeah. as what it's going to look like it's going to be. And I've just gotten good at it. Yeah, over it's something
0: time. to manage, not avoid. And by by doing that, you're embracing your athletic nature. I mean, you look at a basketball player or a soccer player. They're not like, oh my God, I'm going to fall in this game. You know. And the same goes with true Almost all falls don't turn out to be much. And if they do, you just rest for a bit. And it's part of the process. And it's
1: totally okay if it happens too. So I've a lot of falls happen like the last mile of a run when you've done like really technical trails in the mountains and then all of a sudden you're on the sidewalks coming back home and you just fall on nothing (laughs) I've done that too it's totally okay Um, but I think one thing that I like a few tips I think for me I really think about quick feet when I'm descending when I'm really on technical trails so thinking about like high knees um like lifting my knees up and over rocks um you know letting the body be loose on descents like loose arms loose face it all really helps translate to having this quick feet quick
0: feet is the biggest thing of all if you're moving from one foot Put to another, then you're gonna avoid like what happens when you have one bad step because if you have one bad step, you're already on to the next step. And this gets back actually to listener ETU sent that question last night. So drills that can help: high knees before every run. It's one thing we always do. So quick high knees: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten.
1: We love ladder drills actually. Yeah. Like you can, you can buy one of those ladders on Amazon, and it's amazing for like agility and speed. Like think back to like soccer days, field hockey days, lacrosse days, like whatever sport it may be. Channel that athletic yeah. energy doing ladder drills. And then
0: keep your eyes down and focus. Don't, you don't look straight down, but stay focus, stay in the moment, really try to focus on presence. This is meditation on the move. It's why trail running is so cool. And
1: I think ankle taping, we've talked about this on prior episodes, helps a ton. It gives me so much confidence as I'm descending. And the other thing is just like, don't hold back. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, don't reach for things. Like, as soon as you feel like you're falling, also just like tuck and roll.
0: It's like a baseball pitcher. They say that if they aim, if they try to aim it, they never hit their spot. You just have to throw it. And that's exactly how to run. You have to throw yourself down. And if you can do that, if you can learn to let off those constraints, anything is possible. Anyone out there can be the best. It's really runner. helpful
1: to do that in the setting of a race. Like I know my competitive yeah. juices and I'm like, it's time to just roll. We got this.
0: Yeah. So let those competitive juices flow. Even if you're out there solo.
1: Rate, subscribe, review, whatever you do for this podcast. We you love you awesome. Big Patty, in energy. Bye.